Hello, friend. Welcome to the Whole Word Podcast. This is Pastor Pitts Evans. On this podcast, we read and discuss one chapter of God's Word per episode. Let's go now to the Bible and see what the Lord has for us today. Acts chapter 24. Five days later, the high priest Ananias went down to Caesarea with some of the elders and a lawyer named Tertullus, and they brought their charges against Paul before the governor. When Paul was called in, Tertullus presented his case before Felix. We have enjoyed a long period of peace under you, and your foresight has brought about reforms in this nation. Everywhere and in every way, most excellent Felix, we acknowledge this with profound gratitude. But in order not to weary you further, I would request that you be kind enough to hear us briefly. We have found this man to be a troublemaker, stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He's a ringleader of the Nazarene sect and even tried to desecrate the temple. So we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to learn the truth about all of these charges we are bringing against him. Now the other Jews joined in the accusation, asserting that these things were true. When the governor motioned for him to speak, Paul replied, I know that for a number of years you have been a judge over this nation, so I gladly make my defense. You can easily verify that no more than twelve days ago I went up to Jerusalem to worship. My accusers did not find me arguing with anyone in the temple, or stirring up a crowd in the synagogues or anywhere else in the city, and they cannot prove to you the charges they are now making against me. However, I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. I believe everything that is written in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets. And I have the same hope in God as these men themselves have, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. After an absence of several years, I came to Jerusalem to bring my people gifts for the poor and to present offerings. I was ceremonially clean when they found me in the temple courts doing this. There was no crowd with me, nor was I involved in any disturbance. But there are some Jews from the province of Asia who ought to be here before you and bring charges if they have anything against me. Or these who are here should state what crime they found in me when I stood before the Sanhedrin. Unless it was this one thing I shouted as I stood in their presence, it is concerning the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you today. Then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, adjourned the proceedings. When Lysias, the commander, comes, he said, I will decide your case. He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, That's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe, so he sent for him frequently and talked with him. When two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus. Because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. 
In this chapter, Paul makes his third legal defense. And as you may recall, some believe that the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts were written by Luke as a commentary and a written document to be used in Paul's defense in Rome. So at the very least, Luke records the words of his defense before this Roman governor, Felix, who was trying Paul in Caesarea. So in verse 1, five days later, the high priest Ananias went down to Caesarea with some elders and a lawyer named Tertullus. Now notice, friends, that the lawyers were involved even 2,000 years ago. So this Tertullus was going representing the Sanhedrin and uh, representing Ananias, the high priest, and they brought their charges against Paul before the governor. Paul was called in, and Tertullus presented his case. And first, he said a lot of sweet words to the judge-slash-governor, trying to soft-sell him and get him on his side. You know, he told him what, um, what a wonderful time of peace and prosperity they had enjoyed under his leadership, etc. But the real charge that he brought against Paul was that he was a temple desecrator. This was a capital offense, and so let me just give the words to you from the chapter, verse 5. We have found this man to be a troublemaker, stirring up riots among Jews all over the world. He's a ringleader of the Nazarene sect and even tried to desecrate the temple, so we seized him. Now, this was a very serious charge. It was a charge that could, uh, in fact, have you executed if you uh, desecrated the temple of Solomon, the temple in Jerusalem. And so the Jews had negotiated a capital offense with the Romans for anyone who would desecrate the temple. And so these, um, these men are trying to have Paul not only arrested, but executed. In charging him with temple desecration, it was the most serious charge the Jews could bring. And so they presented this attorney, Tertullus, to the Roman governor, Felix, and made the charge of temple desecration. And then they said, verse 8, by examining him yourself, you will be able to learn the truth about all of these charges we're bringing against him. Now, of course, Paul then begins to speak, and he says, there's no truth to the charge of temple desecration. I didn't do any of that. And um, he gives the explanation that the real issue that they have a problem with is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so, reading from verse 17, after an absence of several years— I came to Jerusalem to bring my people gifts for the poor and to present offerings. So Paul makes the statement, the only reason I was in Jerusalem was to bring gifts for the poor and to present offerings to the Lord. He goes on to say in verse 18, I was ceremonially clean when they found me in the temple courts doing this. So he hadn't transgressed the law. He was living according to the law of Moses. He appeared in the temple according to the law of Moses. So no religious Jew could uh, fault him in his practice of his religion in the temple. And he goes on to say, there was no crowd with me, nor was I involved in any disturbance. He mentioned that there were some Jews from Asia who um, were real troublemakers, and they should be there before the governor, but they weren't. In verse 20, he says, these who are here should state what crime they found me in when I stood before the Sanhedrin. Unless it was this one thing that I shouted It's concerning the resurrection of the dead that I'm on trial before you today. And this was the real truth. You may recall that in every town that Paul went, when he would go into the synagogues and begin um, teaching about Jesus as the Messiah, that things would go along pretty well until he got to the fact that Jesus had been crucified and was raised from the dead. 
this over and over again caused them uh, a great deal of trouble. And so once again, the real issue in Paul's defense is that he had encountered the risen Lord Jesus Christ, and so it was only reasonable that he would make the case Jesus is alive. In verse 22, Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, there's that expression, the way, again, uh, which is an early name for Christianity. Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, adjourned the proceedings. And he said, when Lysias, the commander who arrested Paul, comes, I will decide your case. He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. Now, interestingly, it's not recorded that Lysias ever came and made the case against Paul. So this statement that he was going to hear Paul's case uh, with Lysias presenting evidence apparently never happened, or either the New Testament doesn't record that it happened. But Felix was fascinated with Paul, and he sent for him and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Jesus Christ. And as Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid. That's what the scripture says. And my personal opinion is Felix came under conviction as Paul was speaking the anointed word of God and the truth about self-control and the judgment to come and righteousness and so forth. Felix was rightly afraid because he was under conviction. And so he stopped Paul from talking. He said, that's enough for now. You may leave. And when I find it convenient, I'll send for you. The truth was, uh, he knew that Paul had something he didn't have, but this is not recorded in his words. But he kept calling Paul back to him to discuss these things over and over again. And Acts tells us that um, he was hoping that Paul would give him a bribe so he could release him from prison. But Paul wasn't going to bribe him because he wanted to be in prison, and he wanted to be transferred to Rome so he could testify in Rome, according to the leading of the Lord. So he stayed in this limbo situation in Felix's prison, or incarcerated by Felix the governor for two full years. And then Felix was succeeded by a man named Portius Festus. And um, he left Paul in prison because he wanted to leave on a good note with the Jews, but he wasn't concerned about leaving on a good note with God, sadly. So as this chapter ends, I just want to remind you that this is the third time that Paul has defended his actions against um, uh, various groups. Uh, the first time it was a, against the assembled mass in the temple itself. The second time was before the Sanhedrin. This third time is before the Roman governor, Felix. And uh, there's going to be a fourth defense because another man is going to come, a king is going to come in chapter 24 and ask to hear Paul's story, and he's going to tell it again. But for today, I want to leave you with this thought. Paul's story didn't change. From audience to audience, he gave the same testimony that Jesus was risen from the dead. He never backed away from that. Ultimately, Paul was executed in Rome, and he never renounced the reality of the resurrection of the dead from Jesus Christ. None of the early disciples of Christ ever renounced their testimony that they had seen the risen Lord Jesus. And so from the eyewitnesses, the book of 1 Corinthians records there were over 500 eyewitnesses to the resurrection. And when 1 Corinthians was written, it was possible for those reading it to go and talk to the eyewitnesses. In our generation, we have these records as one of the most testified to facts in, in recorded history. Jesus was crucified, dead, and buried, and raised from the dead on the third day. Lord, we thank you that the testimony of Scripture is consistent, that Paul never backed down, 
We thank you for that. We thank you that the early disciples never backed down. May we stand true for the resurrection of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Whole Word. It was brought to you by Whole Word Fellowship and the Northern Virginia House of Prayer. If you were encouraged, please share our podcast with your friends. We'd also appreciate it if you'd hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app and take a few moments to write a review. If you'd like more information on our church and our ministry, you can go to wholeword.net or wholewordpodcast.com for more information. Thank you again, and may the Lord Jesus bless you today and always.